0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Right Foot Forward podcast. My name is Ryan Zaman and I'm a disabilities advocate and a model. The Right Foot Forward is a platform that I've created so we can have more conversations around disability, learn new things and most importantly break down taboos. I hope the conversations that I have with other people on the podcast help you too if you need it. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Podcasts, whether it's, well, any other platform really. And if you want to receive updates on the next podcasts that are coming up, the kind of conversations that I'm having with other people, or just generally what I'm up to, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Ryan underscore Zayman. You can also see the previous episodes of the podcast on My Story Highlights. If you'd like a transcript to this podcast, also please feel free to send me a DM and I can send you an attachment through an email. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey everyone and welcome to the most recent episode of the podcast, I am really excited to bring you my conversation with the wonderful disabilities advocate and model from America Hallie Rosa. She has done work with brands like Off-White before and has a lot of ambitions in terms of her wider advocacy work. Um, Since we recorded this conversation she has also done some work with Skims which is really really amazing which you might have seen on my story. If you want to follow Halle, you can follow her on Instagram at Rosa. I'll leave um, a link in the description to the podcast, and I will make sure that I tag her and everything, show her your love, and I hope you really enjoy this conversation. I just want to give you a bit of a trigger warning as well, um Hallie has a spinal cord injury and we speak a little bit about her accident she was in a car accident seven years ago Um, I want everyone to be happy and relaxed and comfortable when they listen to this podcast if you want to skip this one no hard feelings um and I'll catch you for the next one all right take care guys So today I have the lovely disability advocate and model, Hallie Rosa. Lovely to meet you. Thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: You as well. I'm so excited that you have me.
0: Oh, I think it's been a long time coming. You've been on my radar for a long, long time. And I've seen the great work you do with Off-White and stuff. And I'm like, I need to talk to Hallie.
1: Well, I have to say you do a pretty great job of everything yourself. So, you know, this was meant to be.
0: Oh, making me blush. It, and, it, and it is very warm in here. I'm sat right by a radiator. Um, but yeah. um so to start off with Holly, um, if you could describe your disability for us and how it affects you, would that be okay?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, seven years ago, I was working in North Dakota as a news anchor, and um, it was a lovely day outside. It was bright blue skies and not snowing but there had must've been snow days before. So, you know, we were driving to actually go skiing Um, and the car that I was in hit black ice. Um, It rolled over, I was ejected and immediately knew that I was paralyzed from the waist down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laying there, you know, you can tell something's wrong obviously when you can't move. So my disability is that I have a spinal cord injury. I am paralyzed from the waist down. And in the daily world, it affects me because I use a wheelchair. I can't walk unassisted and, uh, you know, that's how I live my life.
0: Yeah, a big, big change for sure. And we'll get a little bit more onto that later. So what does the average day look like for you? Apart from obviously walking, like you just mentioned, um, what kind of help might you need from other people on the daily and Um, where you live and where you work, what kind of adaptations might you need to be able to um, do things as independently as possible, I guess?
1: Right. So currently I do about 12 hours of physical therapy a week. So I'm pretty busy with that. I find it really important and helpful to stay fit if you're in a wheelchair. Um, That's just my personal opinion. It makes, you know, wheeling around a lot easier for me. And there are a lot of exercises that they help me with that I would not be able to do on my own Mm -hmm. Uh, things that help with my core stability and strength in general. Um, while I'm in physical therapy, I do use a walker and AFO braces. So I am able to, you know, walk and stand up there and try different exercises, standing up to gain strength in ways that I wouldn't be able to sitting down. Um, as for daily life, you know, picture me as someone really short, I guess. So <laughs> around the house, I need help, you know, reaching higher things. The neighbors might get a weird knock at their door asking if they can pull something down for me. Um, and in the outside world, you know, it's it's tough to navigate because you never really know what you're getting yourself into. Um, you know, there could be steps outside, curbs, all different sorts of things that you wouldn't necessarily look into encountering and then boom they're there
0: for sure and I would imagine that you might encounter a lot of extra costs um because of that like taking more cabs instead of using public transport because you need to know for sure that you can get to where you need to go
1: sure so yeah that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves and something that I would eventually like to see changed in a bigger way um you know, I take a lot of Ubers and I feel like I'm forced into taking an Uber XL, which is obviously more expensive than if you just order a regular Uber. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason I do this is because the wheelchair fits into the trunk of an XL, my wheelchair doesn't fold. And, you know, when I was living in Chicago, they had Uber with wheelchair accessible vehicle options to order, but it was always uh, an adapted van that you had to roll into and be strapped into. And, you know, that's great for the people that need that obviously, but for me, when I can kind of, you know, transfer into the back of a car, it feels certainly unfair that I am forced to pay more because I need to ensure that the wheelchair will fit into a car.
0: Definitely, definitely. And do you think over, the time that you've been in a wheelchair, things like that have improved in terms of awareness that drivers and stuff might have about people who use wheelchairs or is it all still pretty much the same?
1: I think it comes down to being your own advocate. And I don't think a lot of people have experience unless they're close with somebody who's in a wheelchair. So, you know, advocating for yourself and showing people what to do and, you know, teaching them how to pick the wheelchair up or, you know put it into the trunk the way you know will fit is definitely something I lean on myself to teach other people
0: Mm -hmm. that's really interesting and I also um I was born with my disability I have cerebral palsy um and I've definitely found that as I've grown up and become an adult being your your own advocate is definitely the most powerful tool in terms of um getting what you need and um being clear with people i think because i think uh, um one of the main issues is lack of awareness and people more often than not being scared to ask or of saying the wrong thing and offending someone um so open conversations in that respect are really really important
1: Right. You know, it's I use the arms of the wheelchair and those come out very easily. So even, you know, if an Uber driver pulls it out by accident, they're so quick to apologize and feel so bad. And I'm just like, you know, you don't have to feel bad or apologize. Let me just show you how to put it right back.
0: Yeah, it's designed to come out so it can go straight back in again. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we're here, I guess, as well as models and as advocates to um, represent for other members of our community but also show the wider world that we're out there and we're happy to have these conversations and happy to answer questions. Like everyone has a responsibility to learn about other people's experiences that are different to their own.
1: Right, I always tell people I am an open book and some other people with disabilities might not feel like they want to be but I'm open to questions and, you know, I find it educational to be open. So that way other people do have a good way to learn about disabilities.
0: Absolutely. So you've already spoken about your injury and how it happened. Could you talk to us a little bit about your rehab process I know now you spend a lot of time in physical therapy has that kind of changed over time the kind of things you do maybe your capability is increased um yeah
1: yes definitely so when I first got injured I spent inpatient for about three months in um Shirley Ryan Ability Lab which is in Chicago and it's one of you know, the best in the world. People from literally all over the world fly in uh, for that facility. So I think that was a large part of, you know, learning certain skills to help me in the beginning that made me, you know, stronger now, I guess. Um, You know, I, I literally had to learn to sit up again. I have photos of myself from inpatient rehab, you know, just sitting up and that was a huge accomplishment at the time or, Just learning to get dressed or roll over was a big accomplishment. Um, You know, the ironic part is the emergency room doctor, when I got injured, was someone that I had been sitting on a plane next to weeks before. Wow. Right, yeah, I mean, it was a small town in North Dakota. But, you know, he had called me about a month into my inpatient stay and said, how are you, and whatnot. Um, and he was the one that gave me a 0% chance of ever walking again. So I said, you know, I'm walking with large braces, you know, the KFO braces that go up to your thighs. That was the first you know, major milestone, I would say. And I heard click, he hung up on me. And I never heard from him again. But, you know, impatient is where I did learn to stand up again for the first time it was all of my first all over again.
0: Yeah. I can relate to some of that to some extent, especially to what the KFOs and the AFOs. Um, When I was 15, I had my hamstrings released, um, which is basically where they cut into the muscle to release the tension. So you have um, a larger range of movement because through puberty, obviously you grow really quick and your muscles can't keep up. So it got to the point where I couldn't straighten my knees and my pelvis was going backwards, which was making my back messed up. So they released all the tension. Um and yeah, KFOs are a bitch.
1: Not fun, but you know, they get the job done,
0: but man, those, those things are tough. They do. And I'm not sure about you, but I kind of um obviously those times in rehab when you're going through a major event like that are traumatic to say the least um and I acknowledge that I've been through that but I there's a weird disassociation in my head because of how much further on I am now compared to how I was then do you relate to that
1: um I do and I don't because yes, it's seven years seems so long ago at this point, right? I'm a totally different person now than I was seven years ago, three years ago, whatever. Um, but I just feel like, you know, that is where so many milestones happened and I look back and I have such vivid memories of impatient and, you know, everything that I learned and did there, the ups, the downs. I mean, there are some memories that feel like it could have been yesterday. Mm,
0: mm. And I'm sure that through that process, it really helped you to perhaps regain a relationship with your body again, maybe, would you say that?
1: Yes, I mean, I I don't think there was a moment where I thought to myself, I'm not going to try to get better. Um. You know, from the second I was injured, my mind was never bent backwards, let's say, Mm -hmm. you know, my goal was from day one to be the best that I can be and to get the strongest that I can. Um, And seven years later, that's still my goal.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, I definitely feel the same. It didn't change me as a person, but I feel like it probably cemented in my mind the things I wanted to achieve and the things that I wanted to do, which is probably why I'm here now talking to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think through the years, everyone evolves, whether you're injured or not, this definitely took me on a different path than I would have ever expected. But you know, it's, it sounds crazy, but it can be fun in certain ways to redesign your life and, you know, re-engineer your mind to, switch gears and have a totally different track
0: yeah and life is always a challenge right i think we've all learned this over the past few years with covid and all the crazy things it's thrown at us
1: yeah i mean we've had to re-navigate prior to covid so i think you know everyone at this point is adapting (laughs) to some sort of life
0: definitely and i hope um people learn from what we've learned from covid with like working from home and things like that and how important accessibility can be for everyone and not just people with disabilities yeah i mean i think we
1: have a long way to go with accessibility but
0: for sure sure. um but now i think is the best opportunity because we're kind of rearranging everything in the world and why can't we rearrange things to be more accessible?
1: I mean, that's why we are here. We are literally here to help, you know, accessibility come to the forefront and we need to see the changes, right? But we, I don't think there's always been such a large presence. Um, I'd like to think we're young, a young presence of the disability community coming forward and saying, we want change. So it's nice to have a community. And I think we all lean on each other. I mean, we're pretty far away from each other, but it's nice to know, you know, we relate to each other and have each other in the same mindset.
0: Definitely. But I think through meeting people like you and through meeting people, um, whether they're writers, whether they're photographers, whether they're models, Whether they're sports people, anyone who I've met through the podcast or people who I just bump into and say, I know who you are, I follow you um, and I relate to you. That's what it's all about because we we have so much technology at our fingertips now, which allow us to connect. I mean, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do this or have this conversation and we probably wouldn't even know about each other.
1: Right. No, it's amazing how far, you know, it's come in that aspect. And I'm so happy that we are all finally, you know, banded together to try to change everything.
0: Absolutely. And I'm definitely going to get you involved in some projects that I'm working on. I've got my little fingers going on (laughs) (laughs) keyboards. So we talked a little bit about your rehab. Um, And I think an important part of these conversations that I'm having with people on the podcast, I'm kind of asking them for people who um, might be in a similar position to you or might have been in a similar position to you in the past. um, What advice would you offer them if you could tell them something now?
1: There are a couple of things. I mean, first and foremost, I would say... As I mentioned, be your own advocate, trust yourself, believe your gut, you know, you know your body best. So it's important to stand up for yourself and, and tell people how you're feeling, what you need, or what you think could be done better, how to change things. I would also tell people, which this sounds crazy to me, because when I was injured, if someone said this to me, which people did, I would probably cry, but it gets better. You know, life, wheelchair is not depressing it's not sad things are different but it's all about how you look at things in life and that goes for anybody in a wheelchair or not in a wheelchair with a disability of any sort you know if you if you spend your life positive helping others doing good working on yourself then you'll have a positive life Um, you know when I got injured I could have sat there and moped around and chose to give up everything. Right. But Mm -hmm. that's, that's not going to help. So I would say advocate for yourself and, you know, do good, work hard and everything will definitely get better than when you first are, I guess, put into this situation.
0: Yeah. And I can't remember what I was watching recently, but it was something about, um, volunteering and helping your wider community and someone said um the way that humans make themselves happy is by making other humans happy and i really really uh that really resonated with me um and when i feel low i just think about like i've only been doing this for a year and look at how much i've achieved already how many connections i've made and how many people have told me that I've made a positive impact on them. And then it takes me like 10 minutes of maybe listening to some depressing music and then I'll be fine again.
1: (laughs) No, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, sometimes it's just like that and you're feeling low, but the truth is helping others really does, you know, give you the greatest feeling and putting a smile on someone's face and expecting nothing in return is you know really amazing
0: yeah and then to change that question slightly what would you have told yourself when you were at your lowest or are those the two same things even though you would have made yourself cry
1: (laughs) I mean honestly I spent every day crying in inpatient rehab I didn't know anybody in a wheelchair so I guess I would tell myself be the change that you you needed um you know Try to change the world Do do as much good as you can so that other people in your situation don't have to feel this way. Or at least if they are upset, which is obviously natural, you know, they see the light that, you know, there there is positivity out there and they are welcomed in this world.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's a really good piece of insight. You helped me if you didn't help anyone else today. Oh,
1: I love it. I told you, the start of my day, so one for one.
0: For a long time, I was very conscious of the media narrative of disability either being like, you're dead, or you can't achieve anything, or you're like this superhuman Paralympian figure who's like doing everything. And I was very strongly of the mindset. Like, I just wanna keep my head down. I wanna be an average person. I wanna pay my bills. I wanna be as independent as possible and have a job, which is fine. And I totally, totally um, respect people who do that. And there's many people with disabilities i know who are that and you know are great members of society and pay their taxes um but when was this a cause that you felt like you wanted to kind of outwardly support
1: so when i when i got injured you know there was nobody that i at least saw in major campaigns or magazines um working for large companies sitting at a round table that was in a wheelchair and I always was triggered by that you know and then you leave inpatient rehab and it's kind of like okay where do I fit in Mm -hmm. I was doing a job that I literally could no longer do I was carrying you know 50 pounds of equipment every day I can't do that anymore and I would have people come to me and say well do you want to go back to news or this or that and you know maybe they didn't understand that I really couldn't I, there was no place for me to fit in, it seemed, at least to me. Um, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to help people. And I think, you know, at first I was kind of lost, didn't know exactly what path to take or how I was going to get to where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the pandemic, it was it was like a light went off for the entire world. And suddenly everyone wanted to be inclusive and figure out ways to make their companies diverse um so that was amazing that was definitely a turning point for me where I was like, okay, this is where I go this is this is my time to uh you know put in place the things that I want to do and start figuring out how to execute them
0: mm, yeah, really interesting. and how did you get into modeling? I think it's interesting that another parallel that we share is that We've come from quite, I don't know, I guess my job was conventional working from behind a desk. Um, Yours was a little bit outdoors than mine and running around. Um, But how did you find that transition? I know obviously the biggest transition was injury and rehab, but now that you're kind of settled into more of an unconventional career path than most people, how do you find the difference between the two?
1: It's a really interesting question because, you know, I love what I'm doing now. Um, there have been times where if I book something on my own and it's a shoot, someone will have steps there. So, you know, it's it's not like the job is accessible, let's say, all the time. All the time. Things are hard still. Um, but other than that, you know, I look at it as everything I do, every time I, I can book something or you know, work with a company to help them become more diverse. It's it's a win for me, but also the world because the whole point is to really help others, like we said, and I think by putting my photo out there in a wheelchair, you know, it shows not everybody looks the same, not everybody stands. Some people sit, everyone in a wheelchair looks different. And, you know, like I said, if there's anybody out there who benefits from seeing, you know, a young woman in a wheelchair then that's enough for me
0: definitely and um I've got a two-year-old niece she's just about to turn three and I think she's a brainiac like she already knows what a hexagon is and I'm like what the hell I don't know what a hexagon is um but her her mom always shows her what I'm up to and the kind of people that I work with and then her mom talks through to her like what disability this person has and what this person might struggle with. And I also make a point of being that boring uncle who always buys her like books for Christmas and birthday, but I always buy her like um, disability theme books so she can learn about that. And I think that's important because I, like you said, you came out of your inpatient stay and didn't really see anyone like yourself same as when I was a kid I always knew I was different I always wore afos until I was 18 um and I didn't know anyone else really like me or if they did have a disability then they were quite quite a lot more severe than me so I kind of lived in a bit of a gray area and didn't know where I fit um but I'm so glad that now there is much more material that's accessible to young children either if they're disabled or not to be like this is where you fit or this is how you can be kind to someone who might be different to you
1: it's it's actually really funny that you bring that point up because I just had this conversation with um, someone the other day about young kids and how some parents choose to say like no sweetie you can't ask that or some parents let their kids ask whatever and I live in a in a building so you know there's a lot of people here with kids and the other day I was outside and some little girl comes up to me and I happen to know her family just a little bit um she's a young mother and she comes up to me and she says did you break your leg and I said well not really but kind of <laughs> I broke my back and she said I broke my leg and she didn't have a cast on or anything. And her mom was just laughing and she's like, no, she didn't. She's just making that up. So I said, oh, well, you know, it doesn't look like you broke your leg. And she, she, you know, they end up walking away and she looks at me and she goes, I hope you feel better soon. And in that moment, I realized it kind of is up to parents to either educate their children or allow their children to ask questions and You know, kids will say anything. I think the parents almost take more offense to their questions than I do. But then the children don't get to learn if if you quiet them and say things are inappropriate to ask.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I hope I can make a difference in my niece's life and make her... uh, Well, kindness and empathy should be the words of the day every day for me, I feel. I agree so working in modeling has that side of things changed your view of your disability or disability in a wider sense and I don't really know what I meant by that question, so I'm hoping... Well,
1: no, I understand, and I would say there's a yes and a no, because I always thought I was worthy of the same, you know, work that other people were doing without disabilities. Um, and I think everyone in the disability community is worthy of booking the same jobs as able-bodied people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my mind hasn't changed in that sense, but I am happy that, you know, brands and companies are starting to include the dis- disability world more.
0: For sure. Cause it like, it makes money sense because one in five people has a disability. I think
1: the disability community is the largest in the world,
0: actually. I've never heard that stat before, but that, stacks up that makes sense and
1: don't quote me but I'm
0: pretty sure I've read that I'll fact check you later (laughs)
1: Um,
0: but yeah it makes sense everyone wants to wear nice clothes and everyone should feel like they can express their individuality through clothes I mean whether you care about clothes or not you still choose what to wear in the morning
1: it's everything. It's you know, clothing, accessories, jewelry, shoes. It's it's quite honestly everything. It's not only clothing.
0: I think I had one last question.
1: Fire away. Let's hear it.
0: Oh, it's a good one.
1: Okay, let's go.
0: What would you say is your proudest achievement today in your modeling career?
1: It has to be modeling.
0: Well, it can be anything. I don't, yeah. Pick modeling and then something for something else.
1: Um. Okay. Modeling wise, I would say Off-White because I think Virgil is truly an amazing human and I speak about him like he's still here because in my mind he is. Um. And, you know, Off-White was really one of the first major, I would call it a luxury brand mm-hmm. to put an image out there of a girl in a wheelchair, not only in a wheelchair, but in swimwear and activewear. So it was kind of interesting to see that done and I think it was amazing. Um, And then, you know, working with LVMH to put on A pop up gallery at Art Basel for International Day of Persons with Disabilities was really amazing as well. Um, I saw
0: coverage on that and amazing. Thank you so much for your work on that.
1: Huge, and they were already in that space. You know, they do good work trying to uh, get involved in the disability world. Um, But it was really, really amazing to be able to do that project with them.
0: And we've whittled through these quite a lot faster than I thought. So is there anything else you want to add?
1: Anything you want. You can ask anything. I'm an open book, like I said. So if there's anything off, off the paper, I'm open to it. You don't have to stick to that.
0: I don't know. Have you got any questions that you want to ask me? Because I don't know how much you yeah, know. I guess
1: I, you're in London, right? So yeah. I've never been to London. Um, how's the accessibility there?
0: I'm very privileged in the fact that I don't use a wheelchair, but like everyone, I have good days and bad days. Um, A few weeks ago, I pulled my hit when I went on a run and that really affected me for like a month. Um, On the tube, there's a lot of steps uh, because it's underground. Um, And not every station has um, the underground, the subway. I figured that one out <laughs> and uh there's not there's not elevators at every station um for a long time people who did need uh added accessibility or step free or whatever you would like to call it it was very difficult because you could get from your um from your starting point to your destination and then for example the elevator wasn't working at the other end so then you'd have to come all the way back home but now the transport authority transport for london has an app like a special accessibility app and it's all live so it shows you what um elevators are not working live and what escalators do you call them escalators in the u.s yes okay I didn't know um and what escalators aren't working um and what stations are closed or whatever but everyone
1: what about for like daily uh life like restaurants and stuff like like restaurants
0: is pretty good to be honest we have I would say really advanced equality law laws in general I would say in terms of